This is from the Shobogenzo, a farcical titled Uji. Standing atop a soaring mountain peak is for the time being, and plunging down to the floor of the ocean's abyss is for the time being. Being triple-headed and eight-armed is for the time being, and being a figure of a Buddha standing 16 feet tall or sitting eight foot high is for the time being. Being a monk's traveling staff or his ceremonial hosu is for the time being, and being a pillar supporting the temple or a stone lantern before the meditation hall is for the time being. Being a next door neighbor or a man in the street is for the time being, and being the whole of the great earth and boundless space is for the time being. So as this year is coming to an end, the beginning of a new year is around the corner, we're yet again presented with an opportunity to examine our relationship with change and the way we experience time. Our practice is asking us to take a step back and observe the conventional ways in which we view reality and raise doubt about what we have come to trust and follow. And to do so, so we can put our many assumptions to the test and get in touch with the deep fountain within and then learn to dance to a different tune. Our conventional relationship with time can be described as quite unstable, often driven by changing thoughts and emotions. When we find ourselves in unfavorable or challenging situations, we look at the passing time as an ally that will eventually get us out of it and bring some relief. When we are in favorable situations, enjoying the activity, or the people we happen to be with, or on vacation, time appears to be more like a dreaded foe that will eventually bring it all to an end. We like it, we hate it, sometimes indifferent about it. It changes. So whether we like time or dread it, the predominant nature of our relationship with it reveals a clear assumption of duality between that which we perceive as me and that which we perceive as time. And there seems to be a fixed notion of a self that is always at the mercy of time. From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep, our notion of time is intimately interlaced throughout our existence. As we structure the day, the month, the year, our entire lifespan. 
And that relationship influences our speech, our actions. We rely on it to measure, quantify, or judge every aspect of our lives. Time is such an integrated part of our life, and yet, when looking for it, when we ask, what is it? We can't find it. It's so dominant. But we have to ask, what is it? We can only experience the way time manifests through the, cha through the changing seasons. In the constant renewal and decay we are surrounded by and through the way it manifests in our own body as we grow old. Any attempt to observe time must rely on an assumption that there is a gap between that which is being observed and that which does the observation. If the one who is trying to see time is time, then how can I see time? What do I, what do I have a relationship with? And so since time can't, so we can't observe it outside of the way it manifests, how about going beyond the conceptual definition of it as something we pass through and go directly to the changing being that is experiencing it. And this fascicle, Uji, Dogen <coughs> wrote about time in relation to the most fundamental teachings of Buddhism. Anatta, which refers to no separate existence or no self outside of existence. And Anika, which translates to impermanence. The title itself, Uji, consists of two separate characters. U, which can be translated as being, and G, which can be translated as time. And put together, the title of this fascicle can be read as being time, or just for the time being. And the title may be seen or we may feel as if Dogen was delving into a philosophical exploration of time, but this was not the purpose of his writings. Or oh, Zen writing in, in general. Zen teachings are encouraging us to expand beyond philosophical intellectual speculations and move towards realizing spiritual truth, which lies beyond the reaches of mere mentation beyond thinking. And the point here is to present time and being as two aspects of one reality, which is the interrelationship of anika, the ever-changing flow of time, and anatta, the absence of any fixed self, independent of the flow of time. Or in other words, time is nothing but being this being. And this being is nothing but time. And for the purpose of this exploration, Dogen used a poem by Yakusan Igen, an 8th century Chinese Zen master who was disciple of Shitu. 
You may remember that Shitu was the author of the Sandokai, the sameness and differences that we chant every morning service. So this is the poem, as I read at the beginning. Standing atop a soaring mountain peak is for the time being. Plunging down to the floor of the ocean's abyss is for the time being. Being triple-headed, eight-armed, is for the time being. And being a figure of a Buddha standing 16 feet tall or sitting eight feet high is for the time being. Being amongst traveling staff or a ceremonial hosu is for the time being. And being a pillar supporting the temple or stone lantern before the meditation hall is for the time being. Being a next door neighbor or a man in the street is for the time being. And being the whole of the great earth and boundless space is for the time being. Now the images brought up in this verse may seem foreign to us. But they were taken from the time that they, it was written. And what's important is to, to go beyond what those images may evoke or how we feel about it. So standing atop a soaring mountain is referring to the one who has realized Buddha nature lives accordingly with that, with that realization at all time, standing, sitting, reference to the four, <coughs> the four, <coughs> excuse me, bodily posture, standing, walking, sitting, or reclining. The first two represent active modes, the latter two passive modes, and that is whether one is inwardly or outwardly active, whether one is awake or asleep is for the time being. Being triple-headed or eight-armed is a description of several guardian beings who protect Buddhist temples and their trainees, practitioners. And then the poem brings up inanimate objects which we encounter on a daily basis the next-door neighbor, or other people we may pass by, or a great experience of boundless reality. All of it, each of it, is nothing but for the time being, or being as time. We chop it up, we separate it. We like this, we don't like that. Yet each occurrence is equally being and time inseparable. And what's important to see here is that this, this poem is pointing the continuum that manifests itself through all instances, regardless of the way they appear. Whatever we find ourselves doing, whatever state of mind we may be experiencing, however life feels at any given moment, it is all just a manifestation of a seamless reality we call time. So I want to dive into that fascicle for a bit. 
to see what we can make of it, how we understand it. The one thing we need to remember is that Dogen, as many other great masters, was trying his best to use words to describe what he realized through the depth of his realization experience. While knowing very well that the only way each of us can truly understand this is through our own practice and through our own realization. And Dogen kept reminding his disciples that his teachings are based on a practice tradition and kept warning them and us to avoid the temptation to try to figure out the Buddha Dharma solely through the use of the intellect. You know, we read some of Dogen's writings. We can see why he was later called mystical realist. Although his words may sound lofty, they are deeply anchored in reality. Zen is always deeply anchored in reality. So, Uji, since we human beings are continually arranging the bits and pieces of what we experience in order to fashion a whole universe, we must take care to look upon this welter of living beings and physical objects as sometime things. Things do not go about hindering each other exist each other's existence any more that moments of time get in each other's way. As a consequence, the intention to train arises at the same time in different beings. And this is bodhicitta. And this same intention may also arise at different times. And the same applies to training and practice as well as to realizing the way. In a similar manner, we are continually arranging bits and pieces of what we experience in order to fashion them into what we call a self, which we treat as myself. This is the same as the principle of we ourselves are just for a time. You can adjust your position. Because of this very principle of the way, thing, the way things are, the earth in its entirety has myriad forms and hundreds of things sprouting up. Each sprout and each form being a whole earth, a point which you should incorporate into your study of the way and the recognition, the recognition of coming and going of things in this manner is a first step in training and practice. When you reach such a fertile field of seeing the way things really are, then the earth in its entirety will be one whole sprouting, one whole form. In other words, every instance, every instance, regardless of how we feel about it, is a portal to realizing that unity. 
each and every instance is nothing but a portal and an opportunity. And he says, it will be comprised of forms that you will recognize and forms that you do not. Sproutings that you recognize and sproutings that you do not. It is the same as the time we refer to in from time to time, which contains all forms of existence and all worlds. So take a moment to look around and consider whether there is any form of being that is any world that does not that does or does not find expression at this very moment in time, of time. Or we can say that everything, everything shows up in each and every occurrence or instance. Everything and everyone shows up. You remember the Buddha's realization, I all beings, all the awakened ones to dustness at the same time. The phrase for the time being implies that time in its totality is what existence is. And that existence in all its occurrences is what time is. Thus, being a golden body 16 feet tall refers to a time. And because it is a time, its time will have a wondrous luminosity, a point that we will be studying and learning about during the present 24 hours. Being one with the three heads and eight arms also refer to a time. Because it is a time, it will be one and the same as the present 24 hours. Granted that we may not yet see or have the measure and the length of these 24 hours as to whether they are ever so long or so short. Still, we speak of them as the 24 hours of the day. The traces of this time having come and gone are clear. So people do not doubt that these hours have occurred. But... Though people have no doubt about time having occurred, the past may be something that they have not known through their direct experience. And just because sentient beings are always having their doubts about anything and everything that they have not directly experienced, this does not mean that what they may have experienced previously or what they may have doubted previously, is the same as what they may now have doubts about. For doubts themselves are merely just for moments and nothing more. So even moments of doubts, moments of recognition, moments of clarity, moments of obscurity, all of it is equally time-being or being time. And he refers to a 24 hours of the day. 
What is our relationship with the 24 hours of the day as we try to always catch up with time? How do we practice it? Monk asked Joshua, how can I practice 24 hours a day? Joshua said, do not be used by the 24 hours of the day. And we are quite definitely being used by the 24 hours of the day. We create 24 segments of what we call a day and then a separate existence that needs to function within these segments. And when we do that, we very quickly become servants of time, slaves of time. It always seems as if we are running out of it as we fluctuate between wanting to hold on to it when it feels good and wanting to speed through and discard what feels like rough times. As long as we hold on to the illusion of a separation between anatta and anika, as long as we do not realize time and being as one, life will seem heavy and stagnant. Time feels like an obstacle or a limitation that we just have to learn to live with. So to not be used by the 24 hours of the day would mean to merge and ride the continuum without creating an idea of a self that is moving through it. It means no gap. And it is a challenge, it's a great challenge because it is so deeply interlaced through every, every thought every emotion, every breath. How much time do I have left? What have I done today? What do I have to do tomorrow? Next week? And then it swiftly passes by and the opportunity to see that I am nothing but time is lost. And then he says, time has the virtue of continuity. It continuously flows from the today that we are talking about to a tomorrow. From a today to a yesterday. From a yesterday to a today. It flows from a today to a today, from a tomorrow to a tomorrow. Now, because we're upside down, that seems wrong. Because it doesn't follow the linear way we think. But who's to say that the linear way we think is in alignment with reality? We do. We invented it. We created it. Therefore, we think is true. And then he says, because continual, continuous flow is the function of time. Past and present time do not pile atop each other, nor they do they form an accumulative line. It seems that way. 
That's true. That thought is true. It seems that way. This is why we have to put assumptions to the test. In the world today, we structure time by segments, which we name, for instance, the hours of the horse and the hours of the goat. Just as a side note, the Chinese calendar is based on a cycle of 12 years, which are represented by 12 animals. And it also divides the 24 hours of the day into 12 sets of two, which are also representation of the same 12 animals. The hours of the horse are 9 until 1 p.m. and the hours of the goat are 1 until 3 p.m. And then he says, be, be that as it may, these segments are merely persistent fluctuations in the here and now of thoughts and things which arise and fall. And being an ordinary creature is also for the time being, as is being a Buddha, to universally penetrate the whole universe by means of the whole universe is called complete realization. For us, to give proof of the golden body 16 foot tall by our attaining a golden body 16 foot tall is to manifest our initial spiritual intention, our training and our practice and our realizing of enlightenment and the experience of freedom of nirvana, all of which comprises that existence, is and what time is. All of it. Regardless of where we think we're at, so as the Buddha said, it is good in the beginning, it is good in the middle, and it is good at the end. Equally, It is a complete realization that the whole of time is what the whole of existence is. And that there is nothing more than this. Anything else would be a time where there is a partial, complete realization. Partial. Which would be a full realization of a part of what just for the time being refers to. Even at a stage where it would seem that you have taken a false step, this condition will be a state of being. Falling down, getting up. Further, should you leave the matter at this, your condition will still constitute a persistence of a time being, which will include both before and after to this having taken a false step. Dealing with thoughts and things while they, are, while they persist, like a fish darting about through the water, is indeed what being just for the time being is about. So, do not be upset over what is not, and do not be pressured 
by what is. Do not look upon, upon time as something that just flies away. Do not teach yourself that flying away is simply how time functions. It's interesting that he says, do not teach yourself. How do we teach ourselves? By trusting? By not examining? By keeping the eyes closed? Maybe he's saying, teach yourself to examine, to explore, to doubt. And he says, if we endow time with the property of flying away, there would be undoubtedly a gap left by the time that has flown. Should anyone have not yet heard the teaching upon the principle expressed by the phrase just for the time being, he may still think of time as something which has gone away. And if it has gone away, as he says, there will be gaps. Where are the gaps? And then he says, in short, everything whatsoever that exists in the whole universe is a series of instances of time. Since everything is for the time being, we too are for the time being. So like, like the teachings of the Buddha, Dogen's writings came out of his great sense of curiosity and a deep and relentless determination to keep the practice alive through challenging moments. He practiced for a long time on the mountain with a handful of people maintaining great resolve and determination in the cold mountain. There are stories of him wrapping himself up with a mattress so he can keep sitting. When he first came back from China to Japan, he was not embraced. He was actually rejected by local practitioners and other teachers. You've seemed to disturb their notion of practice by, with what he brought back with him from China. He wasn't phased. Went up the mountain with a handful of students and kept the practice alive. And he realized, and he further and further realized and deepened his realization. He wasn't phased. Are we also unfazed? Mm -hmm. 
And while we may be fascinated with the teachings and try to interpret the meaning of the writings of some of those great masters, what they left behind, we should also learn not just from their writings, but from their great determination and the way they practiced. Not just the way they wrote or what they wrote about. As I was saying last week, it always comes down to each of us today. When we feel encouraged, we just keep practicing. When we feel discouraged, we just keep practicing. That's very simple. And if we know how to avoid fi fixating on whatever arises in the mind, then there is no fixed position, there is no fixed abode. Then it becomes much more simple to maintain the practice. And the advice is to not appropriate to not create parameters, to not judge by any standards. Now, when we do not appropriate, when, do not, when we do not create parameters, are we anything else but time? Isn't that what, what creates the gaps? The gaps in the mind. So when we do not create parameters and we do not appropriate, then we can experience as well, like Dogen, the dropping away of the body and mind. The bottom drops out. And we free fall. Well, we free fall whether we realize it or not. So to fix it, the mind is to step out of that continuum he's talking about and engage in creating or fortifying a story out of the bits and pieces of what we encounter. But through the practice of awareness, we may have the chance or the ability to intercept this automatic process and remain in the flow and appreciate life as it comes without taking any of it personally, or without taking any of it to create a sense of separate existence. And this is what we should focus our attention on when practicing shikantaza. And shikantaza means just sitting. Just sitting means just being. And in this case, just being means just time, only time, not my time, not the time I think I'm running out of, not the time I think I need to catch up with, not the time it takes to go from here to there, not the time or the duration of one meditation period. Shikantaza means you sit down and you never get up. Because there's only sitting. 
rather than I am the one who is sitting, there is nothing but sitting. So she can tell that it's not counting the breath, it's not focusing on a koan, it's not doing anything. Because nothing needs to be done. Nothing else needs to happen. Single-minded concentration. Single as just one. And it's going from today to tomorrow, from tomorrow to yesterday, all at once. And it is to focus the attention on no thing, which means not to focus on anything in particular. Of course, it's a challenge because as soon as the thinking mind has no specific activity to focus on, it will begin to look for something else to think about. It will begin to regurgitate. It will begin to create segments. Because if there are no segments, what will I attach to? What will I grab? What will I identify with? As Dogen says, time has the virtue of continuity. It doesn't have segments. It continuously flows from today to tomorrow, from today to yesterday, from yesterday to today, and from today to a today. To experience time as an inseparable continuum without parameters is to free ourselves from the grip of our conceptual version of time. And while this conceptual version may be useful for functioning, it can be a prison for us if we fail to see that it is made up. Einstein said, time and space are not conditions in which we live, but modes, but modes by which we think. They are not conditions in which we live. They are modes by which we think. They're useful. And he said, physical concepts are free creations of the human mind and are not, however it may seem, determined by the external world. He said, time does not exist. We invented it. Time is what the clock says. The distinction between the past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Now, this is what Einstein said. Sounds very much what, like what Dogen said a bit earlier. So there, is no, there are no distinctions between the past, the present, and the future. Therefore, time flows from today to yesterday. And when time and being are non-dual, 
we flow. Well, we, should, we can say that we occupy past, present, and future all at once. Hence, the whole of existence all at once. Now, when you, when you hear these words, when you dive into it and experience even a little bit of this, you realize how petty we can be, how wasteful we can be when we are so much greater than that. The stuff that occupies our mind, our attention, is so petty. And I'm not saying it as, as a criticism. It's just as an observation that we need to arrive at. We need to stop and see this. Especially as one year changes into another. We look at all the, the wasteful moments. And we can stop and look at how are we entering the next moment? What are we taking with us? So who, who are you outside of the constant changeability of the universe? Who are you? Who am I? We should ask this question. You may consider yourself to be a, a part of time and space, outside of it. But where do you find that self? Is it really anything more than a conjecture, an assumption. So we need to examine it. And here's how Dogen suggested we examine this. He said, just forget yourself for now and practice inwardly. This is one with the thought of enlightenment. We see that 60 foot, sorry, 62 views are based on self. So when a notion of a self arises, sit quietly and contemplate it. When a notion of a self arises, don't go with it. Don't give it permission to rule the day. Sit quietly and contemplate. Is there a real basis inside or outside your body right now? Your body with the hair and skin is just inherited from your father and mother. From beginning to end, a drop of blood or a lymph is empty. So none of these are the self. What about the mind, thought, awareness, and knowledge? Or the breath going in and out? which ties a lifetime together. What is it after all? None of these are the self either. How could you be attached to any of them? 
Deluded people are attached to them. Enlightened people are free of them. Well, enlightened people realize time and being as one. Deluded people are also time and being as one. Not realizing it, we become very petty. Realizing, we become very generous. <coughs> then he said, you figure there is a self where there is no self. You are attached to birth when there is no birth. You do not practice the Buddha way, which should be practiced. You do not cut off the worldly mind, which should be cut off. Avoiding the true teaching and pursuing the groundless teaching. How could you not be mistaken? You know, it could be so, it could seem so vague and obscure, yet it could be seen or seem or realized as so clear, the instructions, the teachings. It is so clear, it is so immediate, it is so all-inclusive. But when we stop, just for a split second, then it changes and it becomes a burden. It becomes something we have to figure out. It becomes something we either pick up or drop. It becomes something we are either interested in or not. It becomes something we become someone. So where do you find yourself? Who are you? but time itself. Work with that. Thank you.